0: Tonight, I'd like to talk about joy. <laughs> it's, a jo- <laughs> it's a joy to be here with you. And I've really enjoyed Linda's talk on generosity. And uh, it was a great reminder to me that the uh, a very central... A central element in our awakening, in the capacity of each of us to awaken, is the is the awakening of joy. And the Buddha considered generosity as something uh, as a reliable, uh, accessible uh, cause of joy. He talked about the joy that arises in our hearts and minds with the thought of being generous. He talked about joy with in the act of being generous, just like the beautiful character that Linda met. And, and then adding to the joy of the thought and the joy of the act, the joy of the memory. And that uh, this is something that is so accessible to us. It was the first teaching that the Buddha offered to lay people like us, is to, in every possible way in our life, to awaken joy, to gladden the heart. To and it's so, to me, it's so sad how we, when something is so accessible, how we deprive ourselves of all of the myriad sources of joy, and even last week, I, I, I used the teaching from Dogen, where he said to study the Buddha Dharma is to study the self. To study the self is to see through the self, or to forget the self. To see through the self is to be awakened by the myriad, the myriad things. That everything that we awaken to can become the cause of our, of our joy, the joy of awakening. And to me tonight, just the, the myriad of people who are in this room, and, and it's a reminder, as I was trying to allude to last week, is that uh, every, everyone, here is, everyone here is welcome. Anyone here is welcome. The myriad forms that we take as human beings, and every part of you is welcome here. So that is, that is the, um, that's the nature of the Dharma. It, oh, it's finding the joy in opening to the myriad things rather than, than uh, hiding away in fear and dullness. And one of the ways that we join, one of the ways that we awaken is practicing generosity. And yet through the teachings, all through the teachings, there are just endless, endless examples of things that are so accessible to us, nearer than our breath, that can be, moment by moment, day by day, the cause of joy that we deprive ourselves of because we forget. We spend so much time, as uh, I think Linda even alluded to, in those moments when I'm not wanting something else to happen, wanting something I don't have, Not when I'm not busy not wanting what I do have, not busy lost in a, a daydream... Just the fact, the simple fact of being present, of being embodied, uh, is strangely, even though not much is going on in a moment of being present and embodied, strangely, that becomes a cause of, of a wellspring of, of uh, vitality, of presence, a kind of light that brings with it a kind of joy. And it's it awakens us, literally, those simple moments of presence awaken us out of the out of the view that is so prevalent in our minds that I can't be happy now. Our mind is continually creating conditions for happiness. And there really are no conditions for happiness. And happiness or joy—it takes no time. It's simply a matter of turning our attention to the the uh, the causes here and now. And one of those causes is to practice generosity. Another, just as I was saying, is just to to in a passionate way uh, orient ourselves to the present moment. And that's not a vague sense, it means what's happening now. It means clearly comprehending what is your immediate and present experience. What's happening in your body? Do you feel your body? What senses are being stimulated right now? Are you hearing anything? Are you feeling sensations? Are you feeling a mood? So that would be your door of perception called mind. Are you seeing anything? And the closer you get to the, to the simple and direct experience of, of present time awareness, it's inevitable that the happier you will be. Now, of course, you're not going to be happy to hear a siren. But you will be happy that you're present to hear the siren. Because even that siren becomes the cause of our of our um, awakening. It becomes the cause of the awakening of compassion, if we really tune into that sound. So naturally, we'll start to think about who may be Harmed right now, or ill, or and that that um, there's something about our heart being touched that that brings uh, the joy of of being awake to that fact. So we deprive ourselves of such a a, a potential for joy that is under our nose, regardless of our circumstances. I keep trying looking for a segue into a Wendell Berry poem that's seasonal, and it's is the first chance this season to read it. And maybe it's a little premature since we're just beginning our summer here. But Wendell Berry's poem—it's much more autumnal—but I'll read it anyway. And it's called "Wild Geese," and and it's a a reminder to all of us uh, that these simple simple present. Moment awareness is mostly what we need and is a great cause of joy. Again, it's called The Wild Geese. Horseback on Sunday morning, harvest over. We taste persimmon and wild grape, sharp sweet of summer's end. In time's maze over the fall fields, we name names that went west from here, names that rest on graves we open a persimmon seed to find the tree that stands in promise. Pale in the seed's marrow, geese appear high over us, pass and the sky closes. Abandon, as in love or sleep, holds them to their way, clear in the ancient faith. What we need is here. And we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye clear, what we need is here. So we need to wake up, wake up to what is here, that we have within us this, this capacity to resonate with the, both the earth around us and the earth in us, the, earth, the elements of earth, air, fire, and water as they live in us. That we are made up of the same elements. And where do we find that? We find it here. And once I'm here, my senses are open. And when my senses are open, I I can then feel my kinship. I can feel it with you tonight. And this seems like a nice place to read the words of David Budbill in his a poem called Bugs in a Bowl. I must have just read this last week because I'm having a deja vu, did I? Anybody know? Han Shan, the great and crazy, wonder-filled Chinese poet of a thousand years ago, said, we're just like bugs in a bowl, all day going around, never leaving their bowl. I say, that's right, every day, climbing up the steep sides, sliding back, over and over again, around and around, up and back down sit in the bottom of the bowl, head in your hands, cry, moan, feel sorry for yourself. Or, look around, see your fellow bugs, walk around, say, hey, how you doing? Say, nice bowl. <laughs> so this is the general sense of being coming out of the the narrow gravitational field of our own internal dialogue, our our, our preoccupations, our discursive thoughts, our our, mis- case, our mistaken perceptions about ourselves, the the constant judging mind, the projection of our judgments as though people are judging us and that we're judging ourselves and that we're judging others. And just the endless stream of that, just the simple fact of awakening out of that and looking around and seeing your fellow bugs, seeing the person at the, the grocery store who's gotten stuck, whose bicycle has gotten stuck behind somebody's carelessly placed cart. Just to see, take that in is... Uh, already I feel better. But the Buddha didn't stop with the general joy that can come from orienting ourselves to the present, to putting our mind in our body. He also talked about this capacity that I think I spoke of a couple of weeks ago that to orient ourselves to the present moment and to keep our attention there in such a passionate way that with it comes this extraordinary. Sense of joy that comes from a mind that's that's well concentrated, a mind that is not that isn't moving this way and that, that is entered into a, a feeling of one pointedness, that's entered into a feeling of of, um, of of having everything gathered right here, and the sense of of. Of harmony that one feels in one's own mind and body. This morning, the reason I'm thinking of this now, I had, this is not to cause any kind of worry for you, but I had one of those little ocular migraines where you start getting flashing lights. It happens every now and then. It's usually when I'm a little dehydrated or haven't slept so well. And so I was, you know, I was dealing with this little crazy thing. And then for a moment, I just i happened to be walking down the street while it was happening and I just started to do the simple form of walking meditation, of keeping my attention unified with my body and I did it literally for three minutes and I felt the whole, my whole nervous system go through an adjustment. Now that's three minutes. The ocular migraine went away there supposedly they last 20 minutes or so. But it literally went away within three minutes. And I saw that, it reminded me, in three minutes, there was a complete change in in my nervous system, a whole sense of, there was a calm abiding, there was a feeling of harmony, there was a feeling of focus. Now just think, if you did that all day long. And we have that capacity. We have the capacity to draw our attention to the activities that we're doing moment by moment, we walk down a hallway. We can walk mindfully. We turn a door handle. We can we can do that mindfully. We eat. We can eat mindfully. Each moment that we do that, we are we are harmonizing our mind and body, bringing our mind in the same location. We are gathering our attention. We're sustaining our attention. We're creating the conditions for a, comf- a great sense of comfort. A, the great sense of joy of not wanting to be somewhere else because, as I think I say a lot here, the present, when you are passionately focused on it, becomes so interesting, so compelling, that there is a, a fading away, a desire, the desire to be somewhere else goes away. All of us long for that. All of us in our heart of hearts longs to be in a place where we're not trying to get somewhere else. Where we can say, ah, done is what needed to be done. Where there's a cessation of that craving mind that, that's obsessed with the next thing. All of us long for that. We're all looking for that, but we tend to associate it with conditions. We tend to associate it with getting to the end of the rainbow. When we get everything, when we accomplish everything, but meanwhile, right in the midst of it, we're depriving ourselves of an ongoing sense of the joy of being present. That when it's made passionate, is, um, is reliable. It's available to you. So Dana Falls has this lovely poem called uh, Walk Slowly. She says, it only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still. And just like that, something inside me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. We can't even imagine that we can make space for imperfection. What do we normally do with imperfection? So Our mind just starts working to perfect. And often the very medicine that we take just increases our disease. I'm sorry I, I don't need to editorialize. It only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still, and just like that something inside me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and I remember again that life isn't a relay race, that we will all cross the finish line. That waking up to life is what we were born for. As many times as I forget, to catch myself charging forward without ever knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe, to be, and walk slowly into the mystery. Because we know from at least the beginning of our culture, we have uh, Alexis de Tocqueville commenting on us back in the 1700s. He said, In America I've seen the freest and best educated people in the circumstances the happiest to be found in the world, yet it seems to me that a cloud habitually hung on their brow and they seemed almost sad in their pleasure because they never stopped thinking of the good things they have not yet got. 1700s. (laughs) All this time, these many hundred years, in the midst of this winter, there is within us an invincible summer, as Camus said. There is this capacity for awakening and for joy. The Buddha didn't stop with the joy of concentration, the joy of genero- that comes from practicing generosity. He talked about the joy that comes from non-harming. The joy that comes from blamelessness, the bliss of blamelessness, he called, the great happiness that comes from acting in ways that are, that are kind, for others' benefit, that are not harsh, uh, not um, uh, exploitive, to be sensitive in our relation in our speech, in our sexuality, in our use of intoxicants, our speech, everything. When you practice this, you bring your mindful attention to this, to the purification of our actions, brings with it uh, this great joy. How do we do that? We have to be able to be present, have present time awareness to, to interrupt the habitual acting out of, of what we'd call unskillful behavior, interrupt that with mindful attention that creates, mindful attention creates the space of uh, of volition, of choice, to either act in ways that cause harm or not. If we are just sleepwalking, we are literally carried along by by the habitual habits, leaving trails, making messes, you wake up, and the more you wake up, our constitution become such that we are incapable, incapable, if you are truly open and sensitive, incapable of causing harm, intentionally anyway. We all probably cause harm unintentionally. But this is something within our grasp that we could, from, from the moment we wake up in the morning, every day, I don't necessarily mean turning this into the a project, even though it's not a bad project, but... Today, I'm going to be mindful of my speech. I'm going to be mindful that my speech is kind, it's timely, it's for the benefit, it's not harsh, it's not angry, it's truthful foremost. So if I do that, even for one day, the residue of that, it in fact, it leaves only the trace of having having uh, spoken uh, wisely and lovingly, it also leaves no trace in that I'm not constantly reverberating from the effects of having said something or done something that uh, caused harm. And those of you who've sat with me over the years know that I've had a loose tongue <laughs> and I've caused some harm both to myself and others with my speech. And... Uh, and it's a beautiful thing to, to 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 be conscious of that, and then all the other basic training guidelines that we can, that we that can be such a cause of joy, to commit to clarity of mind, which means to refrain from from um, taking intoxicants to the to the extent that they lead us to, to heedlessness. Tremendous joy that comes from clarity of mind from clear perception. You keep orienting yourself right here every day, every moment, as many as you can remember. It has a remarkable effect on our doors of perception. Our eyes get clear, our hearing becomes more acute, taste, smell, sensations, everything becomes much more enhanced and enlivened. And that clarity of mind Clarity of perception, otherwise known as purity of mind, mind that's not in it, not defiled with with so many hindrances, so many mind states that's so here and so cleansed. Tremendous joy. All of us have access to that. Does anybody believe you don't? So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? It's why are, I, I can't believe. Well, I can believe because we're all deluded too. But literally, from the moment we wake up in the morning till the time we go to bed, we can be, as the Buddha talked about it, uh, we can be cultivating the wholesome and maintaining it. We can be gladdening our heart, we can be giving rise to the causes of joy. You know, I was, I was, um, recently, I was. And just in fairness to those who may not feel like you can, I was um, talking to somebody who was really profoundly depressed, and it was it was clear to me and uh, that the person was extremely diminished by their their depression and and I don't say this in a critical way, but very identified with it. Very much their identity had become uh, revolved around that mental state. And I asked the person very innocently if they thought that, they, that there was any way, any possibility that they could, um, they could uh, incline their mind, uh, orient themselves toward well-being toward feeling well? Was there any volition, any capacity to make a choice? And the, the person I was talking to experienced that as, as being, um, as uh, that, uh, they, they, that I wasn't really getting how profoundly depressed they were. So I can, So I can get that to a certain degree. But I still had to say it anyway, because I believe that as long as any of us is conscious then there is the capacity to incline our hearts and minds toward that which is wholesome and helpful. And even if it doesn't produce immediate results, uh, there is something about that, um, that capacity. So even if you're not profoundly depressed, if you're mildly depressed, I have a feeling, many of us are... Mildly depressed. It's hard not to be in this world. It's a mess, but it's also in the midst of it. And I don't. I could never speak for for the people in places in the in hell realms in this world that are really profoundly hellish places where there is no. There's very little space for anybody. That I can't. I can't. I know that there are. There is a continuum of of. Uh, happiness, even in the worst places. It, it depends a lot on the way a person relates to the situation. But I can't really say that somebody can be happy even in a, in a hell realm. I don't know that for sure. But I do know that, as to- de Tocqueville said, we live in the place with the best circumstances. We have profoundly favorable circumstances for awakening and for joy, and this is not, to, in any way, to judge somebody who's not who's who's not feeling joy right now, but to just consider, consider the possibility of turning the attention toward um, toward awakening, toward the awakening of mindfulness, of kindness, of joy, generosity, of clarity—all those things that are onward leading. So this is a in st- still in some ways a, a general capacity that we have for joy. But there are also some very profound capacities for joy. The joy of not just awakening to the present moment, but the joy of awakening to... A few different things came to mind when I was thinking about this. The joy of awakening to the nature of change. The joy of seeing the arising and passing of things and of... of and having your mind be so balanced and open so clear that you literally see the 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 joys and the sorrows arise and pass like 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 a dream like a bubble like a phantom just things appearing and disappearing but having your heart be at rest that there is a a, a great joy and happiness that comes from what we call equanimity of a of a balanced state of mind, a balanced understanding that knows that whatever arises passes away. And it's, as Ajahn Sameto says, that's the only thing that distinguishes a Buddha, an awakened being, from an ordinary being, is a Buddha knows that whatever arises passes away. But it's not just knowing it intellectually, it's knowing, it's sitting in the middle of it and seeing the, seeing the arising and passing of things. And having one's life so informed by that understanding of change that that um, our hearts just let go, we stop clinging so tightly to the to the changing conditions. Try not to hold on so tight. We learn the joy of letting go, and this is a this is a, a joy that all of us have the capacity, moment by moment, to let go. But we can experience that as a as a profound kind of joy, the joy of equanimity, the joy of seeing the arising and vanishing of things. There's also a kind of joy in seeing things truly as they are, undisguised by or unfettered by concepts and and stories, to, to see just the, the suchness of hearing and seeing and smelling and tasting, just just things in their bare simplicity, to experience ourselves. You know, I talked in the instructions tonight about moment by moment, but in fact there really aren't anything called moments. That's just a word. There's no little units called moments, but we use this kind of language to communicate. But we can start to, in our moment to moment attention, see that there is no dividing line between this moment and that, between past and future, and all these concepts that overlay our experience. And the same can be said about when we look up into the sky. There's no sky. That's just a word. And when we look at the stars in the sky, well, the greatest example I ever heard, that, views forever is that there's no big dipper there is no big dipper big dipper is a concept it's a it's a it's a story about that teases out certain of those little flashes of light apart from all the others and somehow when you see that, the, that there's no big dipper all the, it doesn't those stars don't disappear but they reveal themselves as part of, a, of an in, inseparable vastness. And it's the same is true for you. That there is no, as I sometimes say, there's no Howie. Conventionally speaking, there is. But if I look more deeply, moment by moment, at what I call Howie, there's nothing in this mind-body process that exists independently apart from everything else. And I can realize that. there is the concept of how I... but the reality is this dynamic of interpenetrating inter- interdependent causes and conditions that are bringing bringing it that are coming together in order for me to, to have this to give say these words and be able to see and hear and smell and taste. but there, there's really no thing here. And the same is true for yourself. And there's a tremendous joy that comes from seeing through that self-illusion and then consequently seeing through the illusion of others. I think I talked about this a lot last week. So many ways that our life, just through the training of our attention and our good intentions and our kind heart, so many ways that we can in our life give rise to joy. So much accessible here from David White. Everything, this is entitled, Everything is Waiting for You. Your great mistake is to act, is to act the drama as if you were alone. As if life were a progressive and cunning crime with no witness to the tiny hidden transgressions. To feel abandoned is to deny the intimacy of your surroundings. Surely even you at times have felt the grand array, the swelling presence, and the chorus crowding out your solo voice. You must note the way the soap dish enables you, or the window latch grants you freedom. Alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. The stairs are your mentor of things to come. The doors have always been there to frighten you and invite you, and the tiny speaker in the phone is your dream ladder to divinity. Put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. The kettle is singing even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and seen the good in you at last. All the birds and creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. So this awakening of joy will not solve all the world's problems. But as Nisargadatta says, the wonderful teacher, he says, the world is the way it is because people are the way they are. And as long as people are the way they are, the world will be the way it is. And if we want a peaceful world or a joyful world, we have to have joyful and peaceful people. It's not something we can impose on the world. It has to start within the hearts and minds of each person. So I think that's enough tonight. I guess I'll end with a short passage from the Buddha. Then we'll sit quietly. There is no fire like greed, no crime like hatred, no sorrow like separation, no sickness like hunger of heart, and no joy like the joy of freedom. Health, contentment, and trust are your greatest possessions. And freedom, your greatest joy. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment, know the sweet joy of living in the way. May all beings know joy and the causes of joy. May all beings be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings awaken to the true joy of freedom, the sacred happiness that is without sorrow, here and now. And May all beings know the joy of equanimity and serenity, the joy of seeing an opening to the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. May our practice tonight and every night and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings. May all beings be liberated. Okay, check in next week about joy. Anyway, be happy, and, and if you're not, be merciful and kind. See you next time. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks for your presence. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharmaseed.com